Our reading this morning is taken from Exodus chapter 31, reading verses 1 to 11. Bezalel and Aholiab. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. Moreover, I have appointed Aholiab, son of Ahesamach, of the tribe of Dan, to help him. Also, I have given ability to all the skilled workers to make everything I have commanded you. The tent of meeting, the ark of the covenant law with the atonement cover on it, and all the other furnishings of the tent, the table and its articles, the pure gold lampstand and all its accessories, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils, the basin with its stand, and also the woven garments, both the sacred garments for Aaron the priest and the garments for his sons when they serve as priests, and the anointing oil and fragrant incense for the holy place. They are to make them just as I commanded you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Adam, for that reading. Amazing insight into the detailed plans that God has for his dwelling place. I uh, went to the dictionary or looked up on Google to see what creativity might mean. It's a huge word, it's an abstract concept, and it's something that is difficult to define. Perhaps it's easier to know when it's happening than to write about it. But I came up with one a very helpful definition by Rollo May, who's an existential psychologist from America. And he said three things. See, I've done it again now. Looked at the screen. <laughs> he said three things about creativity, which I think are all very important. Firstly, it's the process of bringing something new into being. Secondly, it requires passion and commitment. And thirdly, it brings to our awareness that which was previously hidden and points to new life. Now, I just want to look at those three things very briefly before we get on to something else. But it is true, isn't it, of the God who we worship, that he is the one who's brought into being something new, Something quite dramatically new in that book of new beginnings, the Genesis, God is pictured as an artist. There he is in the darkness before him, the chaos of what is yet to be. He speaks this word, let there be light. Let there be light. And there was light. And then the story sort of paints God as, as an artist, sort of like, Standing back and thinking, oh, that's good. And then it describes him as doing something else that he 
creates the, the plants and the animals. And he steps back and says, hmm, that's pretty good too. And he goes through all the different things that have gone through that whole story of creation until he comes to the time when he brings into being humanity, woman and man. And he sees that they are reflecting his image, the image of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He recognizes something of his own identity within humanity. And he steps back and he says, that's very good. Now I can have relationship. I can share that love and experience the communion that I've always longed for to have with human beings. It's an incredible picture of God as artist, as creative one, who breathes life into his creation. And that life is the love of the creator God that fills us as God takes the initiative and breathes his life into us. That relationship of love begins and grows until, in the story of beginnings, we read of how that relationship of love fell. How we chose pride instead of humility. We chose to put ourselves before God and broke that relationship. And it became something that has never, ever left our planet. That broken trust, that image marred, not only in us, but in the whole of life. But creativity is also about passion and commitment, we read. And God's passion and commitment to see that creation restored, to see that relationship made whole again, never wavered. And God, through the story of the Old Testament, speaks of his faithful love, it which continues to his people even though they turned against him. And these signs and symbols of the tabernacle, of the tent of meeting that Bezalel and other people were given that gift of the Holy Spirit to create, speaks of something of that story, something of that passion and commitment of God to his people. The objects that they created, for example, the, the four-foot four square altar on which the sacrifices were laid, because God wanted his people to have a way of recognizing the significance of their sin and offering to God that which would atone for it. These were beautiful objects because they had a divine purpose and things were made according to God's specific design. And if you read in Exodus chapter 25 to 30 there, there's incredibly detailed instructions on what was needed. It was done because God wanted it to be something that those people would take a real pride in, in the best sense of the word, and to find the way of worshipping God in a way that reminded them of that covenant relationship. But in that definition of creativity, we hear how creativity brings to our awareness that which was previously hidden. 
To be able to see somehow through the eyes of creativity things which we wouldn't otherwise do. And because creative, God is a creative God, he can see things in us which were often hidden. He can see the potential in his humanity that was very easily not seen by other people. And we all know people who we have seen things in, our husbands and wives, for example, that maybe not other people have seen the potential in. I know that was true for my wife. She saw something in me that was completely hidden to everybody else. And uh, do you know that when, when I, I sort of began to believe that she actually loved me for who I was, um, not for what I could do, how good I was at sport or how, how handsome I was and well built I was, or kind of, you know, I won't go on because that would be immodest. Anyway, I was really fantastic, but those weren't the things that uh, Sean really loved. She could see something in me that I couldn't really see. And when that became clear to me, that was when something in me came alive. It brought me alive to know that I was loved for who I was, not for what I could do. And I can only compare that to the experience that I've had throughout my life of knowing that God <laughs> loves me for who I am and not just for what I can do. Not really for what I can do or what I can't do. That's the great thing. That's the great thing. What I can't do or what I can do isn't the point. The point is I'm loved because God loves me. And that's what brings a person alive. And like Sean, God can see the potential in us all in a way that begins to allow things to happen within us, responding. So being open to creativity is very much about being open to seeing things in others through the lens of God's love. We'll come back to that at the end of uh, what I'm going to say. But I wanted to focus on one or two things that allow us... Oh, by the way, just, I've got a slide, thanks, David, of the tabernacle before I go on to the next thing. It took me ages to download this. It's a fantastic... I wonder who took this. I think it might have been her or somebody who was around at the time. And he uh, captured this from Mount Sinai, and it was a really good shot. I, didn't, I wanted to pay tribute to his photography skills. But anyway... Here's the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, um, and you can see how temporary it is. Just how they've got, got, got sort of like tenting sheets around the outside and big tent. Because the thing was, within that, the, God wanted to say to his people, look, I'm a God on the move. And I want you to be a people on the move. And there were times when he said, up, pitch the, you know, take the, the tent pegs up and pack it all up and go somewhere else where I'm leading you. And that spoke of God, didn't it? It spoke of the God who leads us on into new things, into new ways. Even though all those incredible objects were designed and were still in that place, they had to move as well. Everything has a symbolic significance, I think, in God's way of doing things. So let's think about how God can open our eyes to see the potential of life in the everyday world. 
And what I'm going to do is uh, I've chosen uh, five or six pictures from the ones that we've got around us in the church, which help us to be able to do that. The first picture, I see Bryony is there. It's her son, Scott, is the first one I wanted to uh, draw to your attention. And I'll just read what Bryony says. The photograph was taken by my son, Scott, who appeared uh, and appeared on our iPad cloud while I was in Malawi. He was on a boat trip just uh, east of Portmanteau in the Algarve and saw this when he looked up from the cave he was in. It's such a beautiful heart-shaped opening to the sky and even has the perfect touch of the bird there just at the right moment. Sometimes in Malawi I can feel a bit overwhelmed by the poverty and illness around me because I work in an AIDS clinic. And this photograph reminded me that I can open myself up to God and see his beauty if I look around rather than just looking at what is in front of me. I think that's a really powerful image that's captured in that photograph. It not only speaks of the heart of God, but it also speaks of the way in which looking out and looking up is so crucial in our lives. Just everyday things that can point us to things that are of real significance. The second one is of uh, a violin case. No, it's not. It's of uh, Phil, Phil Powell's daughter, Daisy. And this one, uh, Phil, who's just had a, another uh, daughter as well. This is really good. Son, rather. <laughs> Uh, she says, he says, this is a photograph of our two-year-old Daisy being her usual inquisitive self. While playing in the garden, she decided to pick up the garden keys, shed keys and try and open it. As she's at an age where everything is new to her, it made me think that we should always be open to trying new things, even if they seem beyond our capabilities. Daisy managed to get the key in the lock, but could not turn it, However, she tried, and no doubt she will try again in the future, and then will be able to open the lock. And it struck me that how the Lord sometimes speaks to us about trying new things, giving things a go, even though it might seem beyond our capabilities. He can see that if we keep trying, keep pressing, there are potential for things that we can learn and secrets that can be unlocked. The third picture is by my son-in-law, Joff uh, Fitch, and this is of uh, our granddaughter, Daisy. And uh, Joff writes, this is a photograph of uh, Daisy looking for a snack from her nana and babu, that's us, that's our grandparents. Um, from a photographer's, photographer's point of view, an open fridge door provides great composition for a photo. It bathes the hungry person opening the door in light. But I wanted to think deeper than that. From a Christian point of view, God is wanting to bathe us in his light and provide us with his sustenance. It's down to us to be hungry enough to open that door. It's a great insight, isn't it? Reminds me of the Holman Hunt's painting of the light of the world where Jesus comes and invites us to sit and eat with him. 
an inspiration uh, that gave rise to George Herbert's poem on that theme. Jesus is the one who satisfies our deepest needs and our longings. We can reflect on the way that his light can shine into our, into our hearts as we look and open the door. The fourth uh, picture is by Helen. It's of the, uh, the violin case. And the violin case, uh, she says, unless we actually open the case and take the violin out, there will never be music. It reminds me that unless we open the box of good things God has for us and use them, life will be colorless and dull. Does this speak to us about opportunities that await, gifts that we have maybe lying dormant, that could be shared, especially if we practice? We all know how necessary it is to practice the violin, <laughs> because it can be quite excruciating in that time. And sometimes our practicing at things can be pretty annoying as well. But to go on doing things and to keep practicing, showing that commitment and passion that we spoke of in creativity is a vital part of discipleship. Enjoying the good things of life that God has given us. Who knows what adventures might lie around the corner as we do things like that and open the box. Open the box. Television program. Um, Dave Green, who is on the projection at the moment, took uh, the next picture, and uh, is of this this door. Let me write to read to you what he says about it. This was taken in September 2014 in Valencia, in Spain. As we walked up the busy high street, packed with tourists, locals, shops, cafes, and street vendors, I was struck by this very large plain wall with a single open door. Amongst all the hubbub, it stood, stood there open, with no one coming or going and no sign of life. Undoubtedly, it's an entrance to somebody's residence. Equally, it could have been a door to Narnia. And when I was meditating on this uh, picture, I was thinking along the lines that some doorways that are open may not be right for us to go through. That this is a private residence, and as Dave said, there was no sign of life. It might be tempting, but we need discernment to make wise choices. Some doorways lead to darkness and danger. So it would be worth asking ourselves, are there any doorways that we're tempted to go through? We'd quite like to go through, be a bit naughty, but actually God is saying, no. That would only lead you to darkness and a destruction of your inner life. And then finally, we had to have a Chris Dobson photograph. He's there with his camera. Now Chris is great in helping to set this exhibition up and to make it possible for this to happen uh, and he's got a photograph, got a couple of photographs, and this is one of Chris's, taken, of course, in Uganda. And uh, Lake Koyoga, is that how you pronounce it? Something like that. Uh, Chris says, the beauty of God's creation in this picture was thrown into sharp relief by the struggles of the fishermen who rely on the boats and the lake for their livelihoods. Even in a remote place like this, 
Discarded plastic was strewn everywhere, choking the land and the waterways. The whole of creation groans as in pains of childbirth for the children of God to be revealed. Quoting Romans 8. And so in this midst of amazing landscapes and beauty of creation, we're reminded of that groaning that's still there, the struggles of the poor, and the destruction, the fragility of the environment, especially through plastic pollution. We may find ourselves caught up in creation's grief, or the creator's grief, and longing for actions that will restore God's creation. So in all these things, God is speaking to us through creative ways, through ways that allow our sight and our hearing, our senses, to inspire us to go deeper with him. I just want to conclude by letting that picture, still on the screen, remind us of something that we read in Matthew's Gospel. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they followed their nets and followed him. So as we look at that photograph, we're reminded that Jesus saw the potential for fishermen to become fishers of men. He invited them to be co-workers with him in the process of bringing something new into being. It required passion and it required commitment. But those fishermen took the risk of responding and being part of his creative work to bring new life and enabling others to know that they are loved beyond description. And what an incredible life they lived from that point on. When they took that risk, where they left behind the old and moved into the new that God was calling them to. And as we listen to a song now, just to reflect, I'd ask us to ponder those things that God may be speaking to us in our hearts. Where is God leading us into? What is he wanting us to do that isn't right? What does he want us to say no to so we can say yes to the things that he does have for us? And how can his creative spirit be let loose more fully in our lives to bless others and our world? So the words of the song are going to be on the screen and we're going to listen as Dave plays that.